Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Notice that the exhortation thus far is to walk in truth and in love. And to take these separately from one another would be a bad thing, because to have truth without love would lead to legalism, and to have love without truth would lead to liberalism. It's important that they're together. They're together for a reason, truth and in love. Hi everyone, and welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today in our scripture, John can hardly write a verse without mentioning two of his favorite topics, truth and love. The grace, mercy, and peace God has for us are all given in truth and love. Apart from God's truth and love, we can never really have grace, mercy, and peace. Lord, Thank you for your grace, mercy, and peace that you have bestowed on your children through your truth and your love. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he explores these truths in John's second epistle. And for those of you who are new here this morning, you need to know that God, when you are born again, when you become a Christian, to be a Christian, you need to have the Spirit of God indwelling you. In John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, on the Sunday evening of Jesus' resurrection, the very same night that Jesus was resurrected from the grave, he appeared in the room with his disciples. And then the same day at evening, it says, in John 20, verse 19, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he did something really interesting. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This was, way, this was days before Pentecost occurred. So what happened at this moment? I believe that the disciples at this moment were born again. The Spirit of God entered them. And they received Christ. And they were a Christian at that, at that time. They were born again. The first time we hear of God breathing on a life is in the Garden of Eden. Remember in the creation of man. He, he took Adam and he formed him out of the dust of the ground, and then he, re- he breathed the breath of life into him, and he became a living soul. But now Jesus breathes on his disciples that they might receive the new birth. The first birth happened in the garden. The new birth happens 
through the breath of God, the very Spirit of God indwelling the believer. And if you're a believer in Christ, you know that that has happened to you. You know that you are a child of God. And I pray that you have that assurance because the Bible teaches assurance. And you need to have that assurance in the days that we live in today because so many things are at odds with you. And even your own heart and your own thoughts are running a million miles an hour and you're always looking at your own performance and seeing how you don't stack up to the truth of what you believe. I don't feel that way either. Does anyone feel like they, 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 they're doing all the right things all the time? We don't, we don't, do we? But you need to have that assurance. So, Because as John says here, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever, Jesus is never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. In fact, Jesus and um, the, the angel Gabriel speaking to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being translated means God with us. He's going to be with us to the end. And you recall at the very end of this Gospel of Matthew in the 28th chapter, the very last couple of verses in 19, Jesus said to his disciples, Now go therefore, and this is the the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. And here it is, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we are at the end of the end of the age. I believe that. We are at the end. Things are coming into, into focus like they've never come and, and, and they just keep getting clearer and clearer as time goes on. About 20 years ago, I thought they were pretty clear. And now it's getting clearer, and it's getting clearer. And I, I, I'm starting to ask myself, Lord, how much more time is going to go before you, know, you just let this thing go? And you come and retrieve your bride from the earth. How long is it going to take? It's, could, it could be any time. But one of the things that John was combating in this letter to this lady was the fact that they were false teachers, teaching wrong things, teaching things to deceive the people. Because, see, there are people who call themselves Christians, but they believe that the virgin birth is a fable and that it's not possible. They also believe that there's reasonable explanations for the miracles that Jesus did. They also uh, believe that, the, that, that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. How can we call ourselves Christians? How can we? call ourselves a Christian, and think these things. How can we call ourselves a Christian? This is going to hit home because these are two of the hottest topics in the world today and in our country. How can we call ourselves a Christian if we think abortion is okay? How can we call ourselves a Christian if we think homosexuality and heterosexual fornication is okay? You cannot and should not call yourself a Christian if you believe these things are okay. Why? Because Jesus said so. It says so in his word. Let's just take a short tangent here and look at abortion. We call ourselves a Christian. What do we believe? Do we believe these things? And there are people who do. I don't, I don't understand it because the Bible is very clear. On January 22nd of this year, the Reproductive Health Act was passed in the New York State Senate by a vote of 38 to 24. And it was actually on the 46th anniversary of the United States Supreme Court Roe versus Wade ruling. I don't know if you knew that. The State Assembly passed the Reproductive Health Act, 92 to 47 on the same day, and it was signed into law by Governor Cuomo that evening. And the the, uh, Reproductive Health Care Act uh, legalized abortion at any time when necessary to protect a woman's life or health. 
or in the absence of fetal viability. The act allows licensed health care practitioners, other than physicians, to perform abortions if doing so fails within their lawful scope of practice. And according to uh, CBS New York, the act also repealed criminal charges for harming children in the womb, but not harming pregnant women. Certainly you don't want to harm a pregnant woman, but that life is in her. That's a life. It's a life. They believe that before birth, you're not a person. But God says that I knew you before I formed you in the womb. What did he say to Jeremiah? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet of the nations. So even before he was even conceived in the womb, God knew him. And he knew his plan for his life. And is the same true for you and I? I believe it is. Because God has a plan for each one of us. And it's our great joy to know what that is, isn't it? I love what David said in the Psalms. He says, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts, and you covered me. Literally, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame, literally my bones, was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I could count them, they would be more than the sand of the sea. So what do you believe? Job said in Job chapter 10, verse 8, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. An intricate unity, that's what he said. How important is this? And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, the Ten Commandments, one of them is, you shall not murder. That's why one of the biggest things that they want to do for ladies who are pregnant today is to give them an ultrasound when they go in for an abortion. To give them an ultrasound and let them see this child. This is not some just fetal tissue that has no meaning, has no substance. No, we read from Psalm 139 how God intricately wove that, that person in the womb. And ladies, if you've had an abortion in the past, there's no reason to feel uh, condemned this morning. If you've received Christ, that thing is old news. God has forgiven you. And if for some reason, and today, you haven't given your heart to Christ. Ask God to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free. But it is murder. Do you understand? It is murder. And homosexuality, that's another pet in our culture. But yet God says in Leviticus 18, verse 22, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. In Leviticus chapter 20, it says, If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. How serious is this? How serious is what we believe, this truth? I would encourage you to read Romans chapter 1, chapter 24, or verse 24 through 32. Time doesn't permit us, but I would encourage you to go read that because these are things that we hold to be true. If you're a Christian and the truth abides in you, we need to understand that God is serious. And we need to be serious. We need to hold to the things that he holds to. We need to hold as important the things that are important to him. But in verse 3 he goes on and he says, Grace, mercy, and peace be with you and from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. Notice that the exhortation thus far is to walk in truth and in love. And to take these separately from one another, 
would be a bad thing because to have truth without love would lead to legalism. And to have love without truth would lead to liberalism. It's important that they're together. They're together for a reason. Truth and in love. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul speaking to them, he says, that we should be no longer children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceit plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, who is Christ. We need to speak the truth in love. Because the truth often is not easy. It's far easier to tell a lie. It's far easier to not tell the truth because it gets you out of the hot predicament that you're in. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you know that you should tell the truth, but telling the truth would probably hurt somebody's feelings? But you can tell it to them in love, and they know the difference. Is your heart prepared to tell them the truth in love, or is your heart still so bitter that you can't? Well, maybe you should wait then. But when you're at that place where you can really tell them the truth and love, even the hard things. See, my mom even had to tell me truth and love. When she saw my activity, my, the, the, my character, it was going in a certain direction. She loved me enough to tell me the truth. And it changed me. It didn't change me to salvation, but it changed my trajectory. So we need to be open to that. So verse 4, he says, I greatly rejoice that I have found some of your children walking in the truth as we have received commandment from the Father. See, that was John's heart to know that this, this woman that he's addressing, that her children were walking in truth. That's the greatest thing any man, any parent could, could have is to know that their children are walking in the truth. Whether they're physical children of their own, from their own body or whether it's children here in the church. God desires that every single one of you who are young people, that you walk in the truth, that you walk in the Spirit. And I believe those two things are very similar. They're, they're, they're either the same thing or they at least depend upon one another. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Because walking in the truth or walking in the Spirit is important for us today. Walking in the truth. Romans chapter 8. We're just going to read the first 11 verses. Paul starts and he goes, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace." Because the carnal mind is enmity, it's hatred against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But here it is. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So we can call, I can call myself a Christian all I want, but if I don't have the Spirit of God in me, I am not a Christian. I am not a Christian. And I can claim to believe in all these things, but if I don't believe in the truth of the Scripture, I'm missing it completely. 
That's why it's important that we know the Word of God. Know the Word of God, because you need to know the truth. And I don't know about you, but ever since I've been saved, I've been relearning. I've been relearning things for the last 26 years. Relearning things based on what I read here. (laughs) You ever hear the the phrase, God uh, helps those who help themselves? It sounds really good, doesn't it? And really what it is is a cop-out. When we see somebody in in need, God helps those who help themselves, brother. (laughs) And we keep on going. That's a cop-out. And it's not even biblical. God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps those who don't even want to help themselves. He helped me when I wasn't even looking for him. Maybe the same thing was true for you. God is a God who chases after you. He comes after you because he he knows what's best for you. You don't. You're completely lost in sin. And he comes along. He, he pursues me. He pursues you. And he's got you. Aren't you glad you belong to him? I love it. And he says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. It doesn't mean that you're going to be sinless. It means you should sin less as time goes on. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. These are passages that we know very well. But John is encouraging and he's thankful that this lady's children are walking in truth, that they're walking in the Spirit, and that's God's desire for us today. That's, how, that's what we get out of this today. We need to walk in the truth. We need to walk in the Spirit. And Paul in Galatians, as he's writing to them in chapter 5, we're going to be picking up in verse 16, notice what he says. This was a church in Galatia, in Asia Minor, a real church. And he says to them, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. This is a wonderful Christmas list. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Wow! Put those in your stocking. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not. But the fruit of the Spirit... And here's the, here's the gifts that I want. Here's what I want. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do we see that happening in, in our world today? Do we see that in the church? You see it more happening in the church than you do in the world. But you know what, folks? We've got some work to do. I've got work to do in my own heart, and I believe you do too. I don't know your heart and your life, but I can tell you that in my life, I need more of the Spirit of God directing me and guiding me. I want to be different. I want God to have all of me. Do you want him to have all of you? This time of year especially, we need every ounce that he's got. I wake up and I pray every morning, and and throughout the day, I'm like, God, you take everything of me. Any closet that I've closed, any, any door that I'm ashamed of, that I'm afraid to open, or I'm afraid to give you the keys to, Lord, you blast that door down. Put the C4 right around the lock and just blow it. Blow it to smithereens. <laughs> take it out and barge in and take control. 
You know, sometimes you got to be like that. Lord, you just do it. I'm, sometimes I'm not even willing. But Lord, I give you permission to rattle the cage. So John, speaking to this lady, I'm glad that your children are walking in truth. Something we need to consider. Something that we need to pursue. To walk in the spirit. To walk in the truth. To walk in the light. And now in verse 5 he goes on, And now I plead with you, lady, not as I wrote some new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. That is... The thing, we love one another. The very first time we see this was in, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. What is, this is the first mention of the phrase. It says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, he says. That's the first time we hear of this, and we see it echoed throughout Matthew's gospel, the golden rule in Matthew 7, verse 12. What is it? Therefore, whatever you want men to do uh, to, to do to you, you do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And then James, later on, Jesus' half-brother in his letter, he wrote the royal law. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law, this is James 2, verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. It's the golden rule. It's the royal law. Jesus spoke in many passages in John's gospel about if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Let me just read one of them to you. In John 13, verse 34, Jesus speaking, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Notice the example. I've loved you, now you do the same. He doesn't just tell us what to do, he shows us what to do, and then says, now go do it. See, anybody can say anything and say, well, this is what you need to do. And there's a lot of people like that, isn't there? I'll tell you what you need to do, but I don't do that. Well, that that says a lot, doesn't it? It says that whatever it is doesn't really mean anything. It's not really adequate. It's not really viable. If you're not doing it, then why should I do it? That's why if you're a smoker and you tell your kids not to smoke, (laughs) kind of a problem there. But if you tell your kids don't smoke, and this is the last one, and you mean it and you do it, now it holds weight. They will listen. That's why Jesus, he says, as I have loved you, You love one another. You also love one another. By this, they will know that you are my disciples if you love, have love for one another. And see, that's what we need to do too. And that's one of the reasons why we want to have that appreciation meal this Thursday, you know. Just to love on you. To tell you how much we appreciate you. And God appreciates you. Thank God you come to a church that still teaches the word of God. There are many churches today that are forbearing the word of God and doing other things. Thank God you people love the Lord. That you love his word, that you want to come and hear the word of God. It's the greatest thing. The greatest, one of the greatest gifts ever given to man is the word of God. And you're here. How thankful I am to be your pastor. And the men here, we're so thankful for you. So thankful, and that's how we love. We're not going to get it right all the time. We're going to fail miserably from time to time, but hopefully the overall tenor of our life and our speech and our actions around you is that of love, because that's really what we need to be about. In verse 6, he goes on, he says, This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So John is encouraging her to continue in this, continue in this. There must have been some kind of problem, maybe, 
Maybe John heard of something where things were kind of breaking down a little bit in this woman's life and her children. So he's encouraging her, exhorting her to do this, to do it. To keep. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.